In this bonus episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about petting a polar bear, putting ghosts in baubles, blaming Sean Bean, and sitting around having an existential crisis while eating chips in our chat about 16 souls with Rosie Talbot. everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult and sometimes other books, series, authors, voice actors, and illustrators that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. And today we're going to talk to Rosie Talbot, author of Sixteen Souls. Yay! I'm so excited to get back. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Parsnips! <laughs> is that your safe word? It is. That is my safe <laughs> word. It is. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, Claire, yes. is it time? Is it finally time? It's time. It's time. Pew, 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 pew. Pew, pew, pew. Hooray. Um, this is, I mean, kind of a surprise, not for us, but for listeners, because we didn't tell everyone ahead of time this time that we were going to be joined in this episode by author Rosie Talbot. Yay! Yay! Hello, friends. Yay! Hello. Yay! We're so You're excited. Back. We're you back. back. Yay! And, and, and it was only a little while ago, so, you know, it must have been too traumatic. Not sure. It was only a couple of weeks, and it's wonderful to see your joyful faces and hear your joyful dulcet tones. <laughs> and none of us are dressed scarily this time, so... This, this is what Amanda actually sounds like. Yeah, I don't have big giant teeth that I'm lisping around this time. <laughs> I fully failed on the costume, so I'm very sorry. No, it's, it's okay. Fine. It's okay. You'll have plenty more opportunities. Like Wednesday, Adam says, psychopaths look walk amongst us and look the same as us. So wise words, very wise yes. words. Exactly. Yes. Right, I'm going to delve into this, would you rather, because we asked on social media, would you rather be a human who can interact with ghosts or a ghost who can interact with humans? And on Facebook, 77% opted for being a human. On Instagram, 54% said human. With 46 ghosts, that's very close. And on TikTok, 68% are going to be humans who interact with ghosts. Everyone wants to be like mouth breathers. Uh, I'm shocked. I'm a little shocked as well, but let's get some comments to see if it will help us with our decisions because I haven't decided yet. Brie on Facebook said, A ghost who can interact with humans gets up to more mischief and fun. Also horrifying implications, but, you know, depends on the personality and unfinished business. Colin on Facebook says... I think I'd have to go with human who can interact with ghosts, thank you. As the question says, ignoring the inevitable death angle, I've got a feeling that interacting with humans as a ghost would just lead to a lot of screaming and unhelpful running about. At least being a human, I could get used to the spookings and then get on with serious business of helping the unquiet dead resolve their unfinished business and pass. On to the sweet ever after. That and mess with people with my ghost buddies because let's face it, it's what the point in having ghost buddies is if you can't fuck with the normies. As a side note, normies tried to autocorrect to Mormons, which I think says a lot about the Apple iPhone, to be honest. I mean, I would be fine fucking with the Mormons. It's cool. <laughs> it's 
<laughs> equal opportunity. <laughs> Your one on Facebook just says, I'm totally with Colin. Please see above. Vincent on Facebook said, human who can interact with ghosts so I can go and punch a ghost in the face. <laughs> There's a specific ghost in mind there, clearly. Glenn Henry VIII. Glenn Glenn Yes. Is that a good snack? Oh, sometimes, sometimes you've got to slap a bitch and sometimes that bitch is dead. So. Yes! <laughs> Glim Glam Jen on Instagram said, want to be a ghost. I've got a mortal enemy to haunt in slime. Like a lot of slime, I'm talking ankle deep. I'll spend the rest of my time hanging out in Carnegie Libraries. It's good. That's a good one. At Skywolf129er on TikTok says, Ghost with humans. I can maintain the social ability of a human that way. Human with ghosts would just make me seem insane. Look at I'm being a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> hey, like, let's do it. Yeah, let's just be ghosts and ignore the rules. Fly through walls and shit. I'm. They're only Charlie's rules, to be fair. Yeah, Charlie... most of the ghosts ignore Charlie's rules, but he tries. Charlie he tries needs to loosen mean... up. Yeah, I mean he does a bit, but he does. Like you know, he grows, he changes, he relaxes a little bit there. Yeah, little uptight does. boy. Do you know, I I think I'm with you though. I think I would want to be a ghost. Not now. I'm quite happy being alive. But you know, when I'm done living, I don't think I want to be a human who sees ghosts because having written a whole book about how difficult that is, in fact, two books about how difficult that is, I think I'd rather stay a not ghost seeing human. But when I do depart this mortal coil, I would want to be able to interact with humans because otherwise you're just lonely i mean he chats out the ghosts and stuff but who doesn't want to be able to creep up behind people in bookshops and whisper you need them both and you know <laughs> oh, come off you do that thing. you do that now i mean i do that now but i would just continue my good work <laughs> as a ghost <laughs> you're such a sweet ghost that now <laughs> I, I, well can you haunt me because I'm going to be the human who sees ghosts because I don't mind being that crazy person I talk to myself all the time anyways and then when I die then I'll be the ghost that can interact with humans later then mm. I'm, you know best of both worlds but you know I might as well make some kind of cool television career out of it as well like not Derek Akora because he was you know R.I.P. Derek Akora a complete fake I don't know if you know who Derek Akora is Amanda he was like one of those psychic mediums who does the, does the ghost hunting programs but you got found out to be a complete fraud. Oh. And I did see him live once and it was absolute rubbish. It was complete. He got nothing right. Mm. Um, and he was changing his story halfway through to fit the narrative of the person no. he's talking to. No. Complete fake. No. But, I, but this means I could be like a genuine person and not do the whole psychic medium of, oh, your granny's here and she's got good messages for you. I'm going go, to go to castles and spooky places and go and you know, maybe if I get off Team Skeptic, I might be Team Believe at that point. Oh. <laughs> can we be your sidekicks? Of course. Yes, Frightened style fi- sidekicks. You know, I will be the Michael J. Fox. You can okay. be, you know, the groovy disco guy or the, the sheriff. The hanging okay. judge, sorry. Okay. I like it. I think that sounds like a really good idea. Cool. Okay, next question. Would you rather be a free ghost, a tethered ghost... Or a looped ghost. 
Oh, you wouldn't want to be looped, would you? No. Oh, I want to be looped because it's the scariest one. Yeah, but for you. For me, it would suck. But if anybody really falls suck. into it, you send. I mean, then you get friends forever. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> I love that your face up. You're like, yeah, right. my friends. Come on. Come on. <laughs> they can never leave me. Mwahaha. I mean, I'm going to Don't say ghost traps to make friends. Because... <laughs> I'm going to go for free ghost because I don't see why you would want to be any other kind of ghost other than a free soul. To go wherever you like and do whatever you want. I mean, yeah. within because you're still without a body, so you can't really interact with anything that isn't a seer or anybody that isn't a seer. But hey, you could go traveling. Free cinema tickets for life. Exactly. You know, you could like, go on the rides at Disney World because do not ask me how the world building thing works where you would be able to go on a Disney ride, but I decided that you would because they can get into cars and when the car moves, they move. Do we know why? No, we don't. No, we don't. We don't question. So I feel like if they got on a roller coaster, it would just go. It'd be fine. They could yeah. go on the roller coaster. Yeah. So you just have like free cinema tickets, free access to theme parks. You know, you just hang out with your ghost friend. It'd be great. And you won't have to worry about anything. Like, you know, you could go to Antarctica, go and see the penguins. You don't have to worry about, you know, survival. You don't need to eat. You don't need to sleep. No. Go pet a polar bear. Without <gasps> the fear. You could, if... you could pet a polar bear. You could Couldn't pet a polar, polar bear. bear feel it? Nah, probably not. Are polar bears seers? I don't know. Yeah. It depends. It depends Some of if them. Had the double de- if, if somebody's died for them at the same time. <laughs> I would love to be like, you know what? I've thought about this. And in my iceberg world building, I have all the answers. But I tell you, I tell you what, the iceberg in my case is a lie. <laughs> I, I make up the world things that I need to tell the stories. So I don't know if polar bears can see the dead. I feel like at least one of them can, but he's a bit weird. Yeah. I feel like we just need to write it in. It's canon now. Well, there is happened, one polar bear is, who is a there's, there's two polar bear cubs. Okay, I'm sorry, you know, people who like polar bears and stuff. Well, there's two polar bear cubs, right? And polar bear daddies don't like cubs. And unfortunately, this polar bear daddy, you know, knocked them around a little bit because polar bear daddies can be jerks. And one of them, like, you know, it was a bit of a Heather Charlie kind of style, gave life for the other to live. And now that baby polar bear grew up to be a big polar bear and is a sea of polar bear. Excellent. You find that polar bear. I feel a bit sad for that polar bear though because I be- I bet that polar bear is constantly hunting seals they think are there but actually isn't there. They're just seeing ghosts <sighs> of seals. Oh no. But then Cause... has a seal sidekick who actually tells them who the real seals are. I'm like, yeah, that guy's a jerk. He owes me 50 quid. Get him. We don't trust that one, man. Betraying mankind to the polar bears. Don't trust that one. Beware of orcas. You can go out for, searching for the orcas and be like, don't go on that ice shelf. There's orcas underneath and they're going to try and tip it over because orcas are jerks. Why is everybody in the sea a jerk? That polar bear's a jerk. Dolphins are jerks. Dolphins are jerks. Dolphins are jerks. Otters. Love otters. Love turtles. Yeah, no turtles are jerk. It's just it's just existing. They're just floating around there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Swimming and away. The, and it's only the daddy polar bear who's a jerk. The mammy polar bears are lovely. Really nurtures them, you know, supports okay. them. Okay. Until they're an adult and then goes, you know, you're on your now. Nature. <laughs> what? I've been watching Attenborough documentaries. <laughs> 
let's move on to the next question. Would you rather sneak into the cemetery chapel or eavesdrop in York Minster? York Minster's huge and very mm. echoey. I, do you know, I feel like it has more escape routes, though. So I would go for eavesdropping in York Minster. Because I think it would be easier to escape from if you were caught. Whereas the cemetery chapel, there's only one way out. Mm. And also, you know, bodies, ew. I mean, there's bodies in both of them. I've got a cemetery near where I live and there's a, a chapel in it. And I drove past it today and I was looking at it. As I always do, pondering how you break into this thing. I'm not going to. But after reading the book, I was like, there's only one entrance and one exit, and it's a little rundown. Could I sneak into that? No, because the driveway leads straight up to it, so it's just full frontal visible Mm -hmm. from the road. I mean, I think part of the thing of sneaking in is pretending like you have every right to be there. Don't act sneaky. Like, don't like sneak sneak you know <laughs> you just gotta walk up to the door and not in fact knock on the gatehouse and be like hey do you guys have the key i lost the key and i need to get in and jim's gonna be so upset with me can i borrow your spare key and i'll bring it back in like 10 minutes and then they'll be like oh who are you and you're like sandra you know sandra from the the holiday club thing and i've just got to go in and do some cleaning because they're bringing that weird ghost tour around and you just you know, make it up and then they'll give you the key and then you go snoop and then you bring it back and you're like, thanks, you guys are a lifesaver. <laughs> and it's all fun. <laughs> Sneak with confidence. I like it. Sneak like with confidence. It. That was amazing. Um, I I am going to sneak in the cemetery chapel and I'm going to do it the wrong way because I need to carry a crowbar with me. And I'm, <clears throat> we talked about this in the live with your story, undoing a belt and putting a tool in the belt and then belting it back up. Yes. And that that almost happened here. I mean he he carried he carried I mean, the crowbar yeah. himself. But he, but he carries still. it himself. It is not um it's not what I would call a moment. <sighs> but it made me think about that and I was like, yeah. yeah, okay, so that's what I'm doing. So that's what I'm doing. I'm gonna crowbar myself into the cemetery chapel. Smooth moves. Yeah. I'm going to eavesdrop in York Minster. Mm, yeah. Yeah, eavesdrop with me. We'll take snacks. It'll be great. Yeah, yeah. We'll distract the guard. Go- It'll be easy enough. Yeah, it'll be great. There'll be a gaggle of nuns walk by or something. I don't know. I love a nun. love a gaggle of nuns. <laughs> Actually, what is the collective noun for a nun? That's a very good question. That a is a good question. And we love collective nouns. <clears throat> just, and is the collective quickly. noun for a nun different than the collective noun for a monk? Yeah, it's a convent or a sisterhood. Oh, um, boring. yeah, convent. Boring. Yeah. yeah. And monks. Oh, or you can describe the monks or nuns interchangeably as a collective of con- a congreg- as a congregation. I not... thought congregations were like the lay folks. Yeah, they're the ones who <clears throat> you know gather to to meet them. An yeah. Abbey of monks. An abbey of monks. I mean, that makes sense. They need yeah. a better collective noun. That's they disappointing. Do. Yeah. A creep of nuns. A thought of nuns. nuns you're make, thought, you're turning you? them all into ghosts. That's because every time you see nuns on TV, they always just kind of float along really creepily. They mm-hmm. do. They sort of hover. Except the really like cool ones who skip and stuff. 
and the ones who are in Sister Act. Yeah, there is a convent in my in the city I'm in. I could go and ask them. There is a monk abbey, whatever, just down the road from me. I'll go in there and talk to them. Ask the nuns. I'll go and talk to the nuns. I'll take I'll take them up on their offer for the cup of tea thirty years later. Yes. Good. Good. Okay. Would you rather keep a big, important, life-altering secret from your friends or your parents? It does depend on the secret, though, doesn't it? It does. That's hard, though, because I wouldn't want to keep anything from my parents. It would be very unnecessary. My parents are pretty pretty relaxed people. They're very chill. And I think if I was like, yeah, so I can see the dead, they'd be like, that's nice, dear. I just... I mean, they'd have questions, but I don't think they'd be bothered. And I, yeah, I don't think my friends would be either, but it depends. It depends on the secret. But I wouldn't want to have to lie to anyone, really. you got to lie to someone. I know. Oh, I don't know. Okay, but actually, um, really what I have to decide is, are my parents going to listen to this? And therefore, they <laughs> get away with saying... Sorry, mum and dad, um, but I, depending on the secret, maybe I'd hide it from you because it's fewer people. It's only two people mm. instead of like all my friends. That's but then, if it was a life-changing thing, either it was like bad or ashamed, I was ashamed of or difficult, then I'd be more likely to want to tell my parents. So it's a hard one. I'm trying to think of the secret, and I'm th- I'm, the easiest one is to go that I can see ghosts. I'm like, if I told my mum, she'd be like, "Yeah, it's on brand." <laughs> and if I told my friends I'd probably say the same thing actually I'm going to say friends just because I do go ghost hunting with a couple of them fairly on the regs and it means that if I can see the ghosts and they don't know it I can mess with them so you want to withhold that information so that you could play practical jokes respect yes yeah, I like yeah I'm doing it for the lols <laughs> doing it for the lols always for the lols always for the lols such a good answer i was i was thinking like more deeply about it i think than doing it for the lols like i feel like if i had a big life altering secret the people closest to me would probably know or like have figured it out so if neither one of you know my parents or my friends knew like they suck so then i hate everyone and I'm just going to keep secrets from everyone for the rest of my life. And then I'm going to turn into like a grizzled specter when I die and haunt everybody. And it's going to be horrible because nobody knows the truth. Well, I would counteract that, though, <laughs> because you do have a lot of online friends. And if we don't see you day to day and your normal interactions, it's difficult to know what would be out of the norm. And therefore, this would be secret. That's true. It's online friends. They might not see you in a way that allows... They only see more of what you want them to see. Hmm. You can curate it. I'm just defending myself here, by the way. (laughs) Because you don't know my life-altering secret. I hate you, Claire. I'm going to hide you now. (sighs) Well, let us know if you're going to haunt us. Look at the catalog. Yeah, sure. Okay. (laughs) Will do. (laughs) Last question. Would you rather be caught in a death loop or a ghost bottle? I mean, they both suck, so <laughs> neither. 
would okay. you think be like rattle, rattle your own ghost bottle enough that you fall over and smash it? Let, okay, let's think about this logically. Okay, so if you're trapped in a ghost bottle, you're essentially in a death loop. You're in a contained death loop being manipulated by somebody who wants to like tap your essence, which is extra bad. So at least if you're in a regular ghost loop out there on the street, you might have a seer stumble upon you with the secret knowledge of how to release you and you have the potential of becoming a tethered or free ghost. Whereas if you're in a bottle trap being held by an occultist, you're just in trouble. You're just in big, big trouble and you probably aren't going to survive in any capacity too much longer. So I'm going to go for death loop. My only I... problem is I really want poltergeist powers. I know, that's what I was going to say. Like, I want to be a poltergeist, so shove me in a bottle. <laughs> I want to be a poltergeist. I want to be a poltergeist. Right, so the origin story is me as a seer finds the ghost bottle, smashes it, and you get your poltergeist powers and then become a ghost buddy. Is that how we're linking these would you rather's together? Yes. Cool. So yeah, so essentially you only want to be in the ghost bottle if somebody is going to smash it for you so you can be free. But then you only get poltergeist powers for a limited amount of time, so you might need to be with somebody who can put you back in a different bottle mm. to recharge. Well, yes. It's fine, because if I'm a seer, then I know how or will learn how to put you back into the bottle Yeah, I'm just charge. I'm just going to... I'm going to be like the small version of this huge war-ending weapon that we're creating. I'll be the, the prototype. Rather than ghost bottles, could you have ghost Tupperware? Just, you know, you know, you have to do to get you in on a night. I can just put you on a night and then, you know, you're nicely kept in the, the Tupperware and then in the morning I can just lift the Tupperware bottle, the, the lid up and just set you out that way. I mean, that's also I mean, I love how you just like, yeah, if we get, we'll, we'll make the container more gentle and therefore the, by logic, the ghost loop inside will be way more gentle. It'll be fine, guys. Yeah, I, I apologise in advance for just picking you up and shaking you like you're a pop bottle. Why? <laughs> Why would you, you do that? I, I, impulse control problems? Like, put some glitter or something in there so when you oh, do shake yeah. me, it'll be pretty. Yeah, you'll be like a ghostly death loop trapped snow globe style thing yes now i need to do a short story about someone who gets like a ghost who gets put in a ghost bottle and is just upset that there's no glitter in there with them yeah it's the oh, season to write this story, yes Rosie. it's this it's is your christmas season. story my christmas story where's my glitter oh you like baubles ghost ghost bottle baubles on the tree yes yes, yes. And if you write it, it will be our our christmas live episode one we will do it then <laughs> yes all of this is true because we do love to do live episodes for Christmas. So you're going to need to write us a Christmas short story. Christmas really. short story about ghosts and baubles. Yes. In a non-horrendous way. Yes, in a in a jolly sort of way. Maybe Leonie can work out how to do that. If anybody could, Leonie could do it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And then, like, there's a Santa involved, and he's wearing some of the little specks because... I mean, they. I feel like they I look mean, like Santa glasses. So the, the Santa everything. is involved. Santa's always involved. <laughs> you get All right. Around, man. <laughs> if you've got seers, you've got magic. Why can't Santa be real? And he's the one who who helps Leone. He's the one who gifts Leone a box of bo- special baubles <laughs> full of Christmas spirit and yes. you know deathly power. <laughs> That's a Christmas Spirit. spirit. <laughs> 
Oh my God! Okay, well we've we've got you started. Now you just pick it up and make it into something real. Okay. <laughs> Ready? Go. It's and it plus look at me. It doesn't have to make any sense. No, it's it does not. It does not have to make any sense. And then when everyone's like, "Why did you write this?" Fictional Hangover told me to. I have to that do it. False. It's With their the fault. The reason is I need to do anything. For the lols. The reason is for, for the, the lols. Perfect. That's perfect. What a good ending to Would You Rather. That was great. That was... So now we have to go on and talk about other things. And like, instead of asking any of these questions, I want to just keep plotting out your short story. <laughs> I'm sorry. Badly. But like, make, yeah, make it terrible. <laughs> I found it yesterday as well. I feel like I need to go, go get it, but it's downstairs. I'm not gonna. <laughs> but like, this will be fan fiction of my own stories. I've never, yes. I've never written fan fiction. I've never read any fan fiction actually either. Well, let's but fix that. Out. We'll help you. We'll help you fix it. I don't know if I've ever read fan fiction. We do. Super fan Drew. She has done both. I will go and got Christmas movies. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm not. I'm not a fan of fan fiction unless I am participating in it. Okay. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of like a fandom that I would love enough to want to read within it that isn't like canon stuff that the author's written. Your and, like, story. Which one? This one. Sixteen oh, Ghosts. Yeah. It's or Obviously, Sixteen Souls. It's really good. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if anyone's written any fan fiction. If they have, I would love to know. But I also legally don't know if I'm allowed to read it. Probably not. So oh. I just have to exist out there in the ether hmm. if they have. But I wouldn't even know where to look for it. So Google. Google. 16 yeah. source fan fiction. Yeah. That's it. It's and that it's easy. just somehow this episode of Fictional Hangover is already out there. And it's on, it's on a loop. It's in a death <laughs> loop! <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'm so glad it's close, close to Christmas and not Easter, because imagine having an Easter bunny would be freaking terrifying. Yeah, no, let's not do that. Let's not do that. Let's save that holiday episode for later. <laughs> okay. So, I feel like I should just lean back while you two talk about York. I'll just listen. Claire, you can ask all your questions of York. And I'll just sit here. I feel really pressured now. Yeah. Well, you know, we have questions that we wrote already. So you can just read those. And she oh. knows about them too, spoiler alert, everyone. We send the questions in advance. I have scanned the questions about 15 <laughs> minutes ago. Not quite. <laughs> and went, cool questions. Yeah. Well, I mean, York is literally an hour and a half if that drive down the road for me. And I, it's, I'm there fa fairly on the regular. And especially, you know, every time I need to get a new ghost, a York ghost, because, you know, you've got to have an official York ghost. Okay. ghost. Yeah. I and love I've got about. That. 20 plus of them. Oh, I need to amazing. move this one up because he matches. There's, there's, there's one. There you go. He matches I don't the know cover. Can work. I feel like I should have a bigger collection, but getting hold of them is quite difficult because they're so in demand. And I don't, you know, being at the opposite end of the country, I can't drive down and queue for four hours and just in like a, a day. So, yeah, we queue for 
two two hours last year to get into the shop and we were there nearly for opening it was absolutely crazy so yes i know york and there was one section i took a picture because i was reading the book and i took a picture and i literally just wrote all over it i know all of these streets i know where (laughs) I know where this is. I, I literally could in my head follow Charlie going from the geek shop in the shambles. I'm like, I better know which geek shop that is. Um, all the way up. And then through uh, Kingsbridge and all that. I was like, I, I know this. I know this. Don't know the cross the river. You're quite, I'm still quite in the touristy areas of central York. So, and I've done probably like four or five ghost, hunt, ghost tours and mm. stuff of York. So I know York is super haunted. I know it is so atmospheric. It's like, if Amanda, you went to York, you'd be like, how old is this place? And if the, the answer is older than your country by quite a considerable amount. And especially the shambles, because the way everything just leans in. It all leans in, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's an obvious setting. And it, you say in the book, it's an obvious setting. But what other factors drew you to York, apart from York being absolutely gorgeous as well? I love York. I was, when I was thinking about where to set a ghost story, I was like, if I, ideally, where am I going to set a ghost story? And I wanted it to be a city because I wanted it to be somewhere with a very rich history that I could draw on for inspiration for different characters and things. And, you know, I thought, well, London, that's near me. I know London quite well. But every contemporary paranormal stories set in London. I mean, not everyone, but you know, it's a very common yeah. setting. And and I was like, well, the South gets so much love. The capital gets so much love. I want to read more books set in the North of England. So why don't I set my book in the North of England instead of the South of England, which will give me an excuse to go on holidays I want to go on um, and research trips I want to go on. So, and then when I was thinking about sort of more Northern cities like york just was it just had to be york and i've okay i also we're gonna blame sean bean a little bit because (laughs) i love him and specifically like i think i saw a thing with an act is it ray winston an actor called ray winston years ago which was like a bbc dramatization of the wives of henry the eighth and he played henry the eighth and sean bean played um a historic figure in york who fought against or the, the pilgrimage against um the change in the from the catholic church to the protestant church with henry VIII at the head of the church and he kind of marched down and and in true sean bean fashion ended up having his head chopped off for trees and like classic but it just it kind of i saw that as a kid and was like wow i didn't realize that york was such an important city in british history i had no idea okay i was probably like 10 or something and I was like this is so exciting and I have relatives in Yorkshire and it just became like I just love York I just love York and so it was an excuse because it's one of my favorite places in the world to to set a book there oh I'm 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 to be very excessive British chuffed to bits that it is because it's so nice to actually get uh, a book where I know the city and I I mean I've been to York like I say I've been to York a few times Robert Askey that's what Sean Bean's character was. Yeah, Robert Um, And I've been to London a few times, but I don't, you know, apart from the touristy areas, I don't know it that well. And it's not it's not a favourite city. Edinburgh and York are my favourite cities in, in the United Kingdom because, you know, I love the ghostly aspect. I love the atmosphere. It's just, it just feels different. Yeah. 
Mm. Um, but it was actually to get a place where I've been to so often. It's just so nice. And I did actually buy 16 Souls in York. Oh, yay. And on my Instagram, I took pictures of 16 Souls in York. I took it on a tour and took it into the York Ghost Merch. And when I bought Amanda, one of the ghosts, that's on her shelf. Um, I haven't taken um, 12 Bones yet because I haven't been since it was published. But next time I go to York, I am actually going to take 12 Bones and take it on a tour as well because it needs to go to York. Yes, please, it does. It needs to go home. It needs so to they're going to go on a book tour. Um, so, is there a York ghost story that is your favourite? Because there was one about hamster that I quite liked, but um, it's more of a silly one. And there's so many. There's so many. There are so, so, so many. And I I read so many when I was trying to decide on... Because I, I didn't want Charlie's main friends to necessarily be famous York ghosts. Mm. So the more famous York ghosts are on the periphery, because that gave me more freedom with his immediate friends. Yeah. Um. So I kind of used the stories. We've got Jeff Monroe, the Canadian Airman. We have like Mad Alice. And do you know what? I think Mad Alice might be one of my favorite stories yes. because it's this idea. And like every good ghost story, it's a, it's a proper story. Because as far as I'm aware, somebody did try and research. So the story is that Mad Alice lived on this lane and she had a very violent husband. And she essentially murdered him and then was convicted but not of murder she was basically executed for going insane which is you know the least of the things that women were executed for or even committed to asylums for back in the day sometimes women were committed to an asylum because their husband decided to leave just that and they were like oh should we put them in the asylum that'll be good for their mental health excessive yeah, reading right. was one of the ones excessive reading yes. people get thrown in for all sorts of ridiculous things so, you know, I was like, I feel for Mad Alice. And that's, you know, and I was like, was she real? And if you research, it seems that she wasn't real, or at least Mad Alice could have been a complete nickname for her and she could be based on a real person, but the names don't line up. There was no one called Alice who was executed around that time. And so, and I, but I kind of like it. That makes me love it more because it, it she's kind of grown into something more than whatever her source material was. And it becomes a legend. Yeah, And I love I love that, so where something takes on a life of its own and loses its direct tether to its source material and it becomes this kind of free-floating story. And she's so instrumental to, like, the York ghost stories. There's even somebody who does tours as Mad Alice. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, I've not seen that one. Yeah, I don't know if she's still going, but a few years ago she was... And she did, and apparently she even like broke her leg at one point and did the tours in a wheelchair, like a true trooper. Oh because God. I tell you, York is not an accessible city. It is not. At all. It's um, not. There's lots of cobblestones everywhere, Amanda. It's, it's like old. it's proper old. It's not. It's very pedestrianised in that respect, so it's easier that way. Um, it doesn't stop some people, but it's not an accessible city, like at all yeah, everything's got steps up to it or like just the cobbles everywhere and yeah like a lot of really like edinburgh's the same like a lot of older cities just yeah not not accessibility friendly so my knees are aching thinking about it actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh i need to go back to york so have you done the york ghost tours have you seen any 
ghosts in York. Have I... you ever, ever seen any York ghosts? So I did, when I was in York, I didn't see any ghosts, but I figured that they were just being very shy. And to be fair, I was so busy, like writing down whether whether Charlie would be able to like step up easily into a space. And I was like looking at all the accessibility stuff <laughs> and kind of sitting down and making sure my scene descriptions of a place were like right. And how does something smell or how does something... if a ghost could have been going, oi, oi, oi. And I just wouldn't have noticed. Um, I was so like focused on my edits and my writing. I feel like uh, you could write the accessibility guide to to York now. You then. probably could. Oh well, no, I'd have to go back and do a lot more of a deep dive. And actually, in like in Twelve Bones, Charlie uses his wheelchair a lot more out and about. Oh. Um, so yeah, that required a bit more sort of research of being like, okay, well, what's this pavement like, and how is he going to get into here, and how is he going to move here, and yeah, it just kind of really opened my eyes to how difficult it is for wheelchair users sometimes to just get places how annoying that is and we really need to make the world more accessible everyone we do but like it's difficult for some places like thinking about york it is such an old city that they are listed buildings Mm -hmm. and that to make them wheelchair accessible is to like fundamentally alter the building itself even just to put a ramp in like yeah to widen a doorway like can you always are you allowed to like yeah it's a real real challenge to make places accessible yeah i mean there's newer parts of the city that they could they can and should but yeah, yeah like the shambles is never going to be wheelchair friendly yeah no that's always going to be awkward Mm-mm. top um, tip never walk down there in ice <laughs> or like when it's really really busy with tourists so busy because it's so narrow it's horrible. It's horrible. I think I took a picture actually and sent it to you and like Amanda and a, f- and a few other people and was like, "I'm on the shambles. Look at all of the people." And it's just it's vomit inducing. Were they queuing for the ghost merchants? Because I feel like that contributes, but it does. Because I was one of them that one time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, it's just in general. And yeah, no, do you know yeah. what? It really pisses me off. Like how they talk about the history and everything like the proper tourists and you're like but it's, it's wrong they've got it all wrong and i'm like shut up buy a buy a guidebook stop being wrong Ugh. is that the guides the guides or no just in general you just want to yell it's at regular people i just yeah yeah mainly americans i'm sorry well they need to go on the ghost stores i because i went i went on one um, but not until after I'd written the book. And I'm like, I almost had to edit the book. And I didn't. I made the decision not to, but I was like, what in the world has happened? So I went on this ghost tour and this, we, you know, we meet at the pub and this guy shows up to do the ghost tour and he is literally the spitting image of exactly how I imagine Raleigh to be. Oh, I think I've been on Raleigh's ghost tour. Right? That the, <laughs> the outfit and everything. And I was like, oh my God, like I. I'm gonna to have to change this character's description and everything because it's too similar. And but it is not based off of this gentleman at all. It was just how I imagined a ghost tour guide to look because, of course. And then he is the epitome of it. And I was like, oh, am I gonna change it? And I didn't in the end because it isn't actually based off of him. Um, no. And I feel like if he, even if it was, the character is freaking awesome. Yes. So hopefully yeah. he wouldn't mind. Yeah. Ninety percent um, of all your ghost tour guides look like Riley yeah i feel like it's the look so i yeah. i feel less guilty um but actually yeah, saying is. that 90 percent of all ghost tour 
guides look like because even when i've been on the ones in edinburgh and london and a few other places they, like they all look like rowley <laughs> a little bit better there must be a, like an online tour guide like a shop Outfit. where they buy the top hats like, this and the is capes what and the long coats. Wear. yeah Kids. get the coats get the hat get the monocle yes got the, 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 the cane as well i just yeah. recently went on a ghost tour here and my tour guide was not wearing a top hat but she did have bloody eyes which i thought was it was top notch and before the tour started we actually talked about cosplay and fake blood recipes and stuff for a while so it was very good that's coming into the bit i appreciate some of the good fake blood recipe yeah 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 (laughs) because i mean to be fair that makes every all of the ghost two guys i've ever been on really just lazy because they're not changing their aesthetic from everybody else and all they're doing is popping a hat on their head and picking up a coat half the time it's the storytelling though it's the way they tell those stories that i love so much yeah and the kind of yeah and how to keep an audience engaged particularly when so i remember asking the tour guide like oh do you ever like have people jump out on your tours to kind of scare your punters and he said no we're not allowed to do that anymore because like people it, it, people who are at risk who don't know it's going to happen could have a heart attack like it's too dangerous we can't do that for insurance purposes and i was like oh but then in his storytelling he made me jump a few times like the way he told the stories and his pauses and then he would it was clear he was really clever he made it so engaging yeah, I like the ones that kind of move around the group as well and get to know you, like try to get a lo- know you a little bit and can judge whether or not you'll join in on the banter or they can jump out. I did go on one in Edinburgh which went into Greyfriars Kirkyard and then into the Loch Mausoleum area mm. and I've been on it twice and there's like a famous judge there who's supposed to be a poltergeist and stuff. I have been on all these things and never once seen a ghost. Um, <laughs> Sceptic. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> and they take him inside a mausoleum and the first time I went on was with my uh, now husband and we were standing fairly front, close to the front and you could tell they were building up to a crescendo and a guy jumped out and my husband Colin nearly punched him like he literally like went to go and get him and pulled himself back on no this is part of the show and the second time I went it was actually on a person the birthday party and I was dressed as um, Daphne from Scooby Doo and another friend was a banana, another one was Batgirl, and, you know, we're all dressed up on this. I asked permission before we went on, can we come dressed, because we're going out afterwards. And one of the girls, who, she was like a friend of a friend, she was literally shaking all the way through this ghost hunt. I thought she was going to wet herself, so I had to tell her a million times, you are going to get jumped at. There was going to be somebody who jumps out in the mausoleum. What we're going to do is we're going to go straight into the mausoleum, go to the very, very back, put our back to the walls, so you're furthest away from the door as humanly possible. You will hold my hand and you'll be fine. It is a person, not a ghost. She's still shut her pants. Bless her. She's the ideal punter. She's the ideal She was, but I think she would have died, literally died, if I hadn't told her that there was going to be a jump scare at the end. And we were talking to the jump the guy and he said he, he loves it because the reactions that he gets and he has been punched a few times i bet he has yeah i've got friends who do there's a place near us that does like halloween events and mazes and stuff like scare mazes which is really fun and we go every year and it's great but i've got friends who kind of work there at halloween and it's a rite of passage to get punched in the face it just that's a rite of passage even though very much the rules are you don't touch the actors they don't touch you but the accidents happen, you know, somebody's really scared and they lash out in the wrong direction or 
they're trained to kind of scare like dart in scare you and then remove themselves very quickly but if they remove themselves if they misjudge and they remove themselves in the direction you jump in you're gonna collide so that's never happened to me but i've had friends that have yeah been smacked in the face and they like go into the break room like guys i got punched in the face and everyone cheers and it's like it's part of the um yeah but did you get punched, Amanda, when you did it last year? Because you did a haunted house thing. No, I did not get punched, but I did want to punch one of the people who was also <laughs> doing, like, that kid who followed everyone around with that foot. I wanted to punch her in the face. I think you need to give a bit more context. <laughs> was it a real foot? No, it was just a fake foot. And this kid, she, she just sat in, like, the entryway to the to the haunted house and like talked to people and did bad foot jokes and like she wasn't scary at all she had bad makeup and she just had a foot and then she would get up and follow the people into the next room which is where i was trying to be scary and do my job and she's just like hey you want to give my foot a high five and like holding this foot around like and was here I am in the corner. You, yeah, she was working oh, there. Okay, I was like, is this just someone who didn't have too much spare time on their hands? No, she worked there. Okay. No, she worked there. And that was what she decided she was going to do with her time in the maze. And here I am, like, full-on demon makeup in, in a room, sharing a room with a nun who's also haunted. And, like, That's she ruined funny. it. She ruined it with her foot that she just carried around. I and wish she was just taken wearing the foot like and punched her with it. I remember, wanted to. Sometimes, sometimes you gotta, you gotta smack a bitch with you gotta a foot. Smack a bitch with a foot. I really wanted to. She ruined it for a lot of people. It was a shame. You do really well in like York dungeons or London dungeons and stuff where they, they just play act all the time and cool makeup. That's what I would. I would love to do that. I like to be scary, not. A foot irritating. carrier. Yes. I think it would be fun. I like to tell people on the tube that I'm a ghost or a time traveler. Because I'm <laughs> not dressed like that now, but when my normal everyday going out of the house clothes, which are just sort of Victorian clothing, people come up to me all the time and are like, oh, are you in something? Is this what's going on? I'm, and I just like to look at them and go, you can see me? And just go, Maybe is this why you might not. This is why you've never seen a ghost because you're pretending to be one. So an actual ghost doesn't acknowledge you in the in the appropriate way. They just think, oh, it's just another ghosty. Well, maybe I'm a seer and I don't realize it. And I've spoken to ghosts loads, but I just think that they're normal, real people. Yeah, maybe because for yeah. me they would it wouldn't be any different. And people look at me strangely because of the way I dress. So if people were looking at me strangely for talking to somebody who wasn't there, I honestly would just think it's because I've got long skirts on. Amazing. I'm just that weirdo on the tri- on the tube who asks people about who- what the third favorite dinosaur is. Oh no, but I that's like- a very important question. I like to be the creep. Oh, see, I'm the person who gives out random compliments. Oh, oh my gosh, I oh. love your socks. They're so great. And they're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that's to give nice random though. compliments. Always I give out compliments. Yeah, giving out random compliments is a lovely thing to do. Coming from the girl in the, you know, black lipstick and shirt with a raccoon and a possum eating trash. It's a really good compliment. (laughs) 
It's an excellent shirt. It is a great shirt. They look so happy. <laughs> they are very happy. Anyway. Oh, anywho. Do you have any questions, Amanda? Um, well, I mean, we always ask ask these types of things whenever we have, you know, haunted, spooky authors on. We have to talk about your favorite, you know, ghosty books and, you know, your favorite horror movies and things like that. So what do you got? What's your favorite? So I, I was trying to think about like how many ghosty books I've read. And I realized that I started reading ghosty books after I wrote 16 Souls out of curiosity of like, oh, maybe this is a good comp, like comp title and things like that. And quite a lot of them came out after I'd written 16 Souls. So I think the only one I read before was um, Kendara Blake's Anna Dressed in Blood. Which I is knew it. A good book. We're doing that yes, next we're week. Doing it. Yes. I love it. It's oh, it's such a classic, and it has all the elements I love, and it's just got like good amount of gore and great character development. And I was like, oh, I love this book. And then I also think I did read the Schwab's, you know, her middle grade ghost series. The, the um, City of Ghosts. And City Ghosts. I can't it, remember the other one. Yeah, Edinburgh. I think set in Edinburgh. Yeah. I yeah. read the first one of those because that was out while I was writing Sixteen Souls. And then I deliberately didn't read any more until after I'd finished. And I remember Cemetery Boys was announced. I think it was announced just as I was like midway through writing and I was like really excited for it. But I had to wait. I had to wait a whole year to even be able to get it in the UK from when I first heard about it and pre-ordered it to when it actually arrived. And by then I'd written 16 Souls. So I kind of read it with this slight terror that it, it was going to have made all of my efforts pointless because it was going to be really similar. And then I kind of looked at it and realized it was never going to be similar or like not so similar because it's set in the US. It's written by a trans author about a trans character who comes from a completely different background and like life is who's, who's making very different points with the book. Um, it's got a much stronger romance story. So I was like, this is really, really different. I think anyone who enjoys 16 Souls will enjoy Cemetery Boys and vice versa. But like, I was like, yeah, no, this is really different, which is nice, which is good. Panic over. Um, and yeah, I loved it. I love that book. Wait, who, who was it, the author who said that um, you you can get 100 people wanting to tell the same story, but all, it's going to be this, it's going to be every single time it's going to be different? Yeah, I can't remember, but that's true. I think it's true. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you, everybody has their own spin, and I absolutely adored Charlie and was and, and Sam, and I was just so happy to have characters that are nothing like me. Yeah, I'm not a teenage <laughs> gay boy. I'm not trans. Um, I'm you know I I I am not either of these people but freaking hell i'm invested in their story and i want to read more about them yeah. and when they finally kissed oh my god i think right I really, I'm, oh my I think gosh I, woke, I we both went yes <laughs> at last the world finally. cheers finally. well done lads finally got there all that Yay. angst <laughs> oh it's just like oh, i want to i want to hold your yeah. hand no he doesn't want to hold my hand but oh i want like, to hold your hand. Just, just do it do it do it do it i know i always felt like that was gonna have to like you can see charlie really wanting it but he, that, he was never gonna get up the courage it had to kind of sam had to instigate that first sam has sam has a lot more confidence he does yeah than what charlie does and i think it's earned confidence through 
life experience um and it's great to see that especially in a trans character where they're not hiding their their true self mm-hmm. you know sam is living his truth and it's it's lovely and actually having i mean his dad's an asshole so you know whatever but his mum obviously accepts and loves him for exactly who he is it's nice to finally have a character who's had these massive life changes and not an arsehole parent. I mean, Mr. Harrow is an arsehole, okay? He is a shit stain. He's gone, whatever. Is he gone? Um, but at least, you know, Sam's mum is supportive and that's that's nice to have in YA fiction. It's lovely. Yeah, I, I, that was very deliberate. And I think as well with Sam, and particularly with his dad, his dad, ha- you know, there are issues, there's issues there. His dad does not always make the right decision. His dad doesn't always handle everything well, as we read about. But one thing he never does is misgender his son. No. He never deadly yes. his son. I was and so he, worried no, when like, Charlie went what? into their house for the first time. And I was like, oh, he's going to be shitty. Oh, he's going to be shitty. And then he wasn't, except for he is constantly shitty. He is kind of shitty. For different reasons. For different reasons. And I mean, that was also very deliberate. Like, no matter how bad the parents get no matter how evil the bad guys and the villains get they never they never dead name or misgender sam um and they never will that's not my style and i don't think i mean i don't think trans readers need that i think they get no. it and yeah maybe i'm they're, a little bit making a point as well yeah <laughs> but, they're um, dealing with enough terrible exactly, stuff exactly but i'm i mean with that doesn't mean his dad is always getting it right. Like he says, he feels like his dad's more than happy to throw money at the problem without actually sitting down and having a conversation. He's like, yeah, you'll pay for me to have treatment and, you know, transition in a way that so many kids out there don't get a chance to do either because they don't have access or it's going to take years on the NHS or they don't have supportive parents. Um, So in many ways, Sam is so lucky because he has got so many teenagers, trans teenagers, like absolutely long for which is that chance to transition but his dad fails to even sit down and go how's it going are you okay like actually have a personal conversation and i just wanted to show that again yeah so you might get what something that you really really want but that doesn't mean it solves everything and it doesn't mean that that heals that family relationship and it's a complicated thing and it's you know and people are nuanced and just because harrow is a good dad in some ways doesn't mean he's doing well in many many other ways and yeah. makes a lot of bad decisions i'm not trying to like justify harrow's like <laughs> emotional disconnection to sam but i wonder how much he had a relationship with his father and does he know any better that that's that's how he thinks the dad is emotionally disconnected from the child and it's all about business and you know making a name and reputation you know is that the background that he's from whereas obviously sam is emotionally awake and we're in a very you know aware time so i kind of want and i'm not trying to justify his father sam's father's like you know personality but i want i do wonder if that's just like how he was brought up is that you know you throw money at the problem yeah i think that's that kind exactly of right like i do think it's exactly right like, he comes from this old money where keeping that money going and sustaining that and he he feels he's doing the right things he's providing for his family 
financially it's about saving the company and making sure that his family is financially secure as if that's the only thing that a father should have to deliver rather than like the emotional support side of things which i think is a generational issue for a lot of men um and that's simplifying it way too much but yes. you know there, there are a lot of men who feel like they have to be that financial support but haven't been taught how to handle their own emotions or communicate. They've been told by traditional society that in fact they can't communicate because they're men. So they're emotionally incapable of doing that, which is a complete lie. And I want it, and that's what I kind of wanted to explore a bit. And so you'll notice that Charlie doesn't solve, he doesn't solve his problems with violence. He solves his problems through human connection. That reminds me of uh, one of the quotes, um, charlie says whoever said boys shouldn't cry can fuck right off yeah and i was like yeah thank you preach yeah Yeah. yeah, that's perfectly it and i mean you you look at um charlie's dad and he is emotionally connected to charlie he's the person that charlie comes out to yeah and you kind of think that's complete antithesis and it's just lovely to see that there is this dynamic you know these not every parent is going to reject their child and it's nice to see that sense of hope as well that you know parents love the children because they love the children i really wanted charlie to have a good relationship with his dad i think in ya there's so many dead parents (laughs) Um, which i understand because in order for a teenager to have an adventure the parents need to be failing in some way Mm -hmm. because otherwise they'd be there with like curfews and sitting down and being like okay tell me what's going on because this is a problem like, you know, you can't sneak out in the middle of the night and save the world if mum's kind of being like, hold on, you've got a nine o'clock curfew, mate, get home, you know. So I had that to contend with, but I decided it, I wanted his parents to be around and I wanted them to be trying really hard, but they have a lot going against them. They have um, this big age gap between their children. So they've got twins, younger twins to take up a lot of their time. They have a very sick relative and they're taking care of her financially and her children. Um, so they're, they're working long hours and then you know Charlie's a teenager he deserves his own freedom he has his own life but when he comes home with these cuts on his face and they know something's going on and they, they try to talk to him they mm-hmm. really really try hard to, to make that connection and he's the one pushing away so I re- yeah I wanted his dad to be present and to be supportive and that doesn't mean that they are saints they don't get everything right they clearly are failing in certain ways because he's literally able to go out there and get kidnapped and do like wild adventure magic things um and that to be fair though if your reclusive child turned around and said i've got a friend i'm going for a sleepover you'd be like get out get out of the house go 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 buy you beer and boot like let's go um so i yeah i kind of wanted him to have those kind of parents where he loves them dearly and they love him and they just they're trying and and that kind of stoic northern dad type who absolutely loves his son but doesn't always know the right thing to say but damn he tries Mm. and yeah i wanted that to come across and that continues in 12 bones in book two um and there's some things that shake the foundations in book two and they're not the perfect family they don't get everything right and there's still like growth for them to work through but yeah i just I'm worried like- for aunt chrissy i am worried i'm hoping the chemo works i'm invested yeah. I have a- i'm worried she's going to be a ghost well no spoilers from me so no, <laughs> i can't give you no, spoilers I'm, I'm, I'm picking it up tonight as soon as <laughs> 
French people and I'm stopping. I know. Don't you hate that? You're like, I can't I can't read the second one because then I'm going to start mixing stuff up in our discussion and then we're going to spoil stuff and we're not meaning to spoil stuff so you can't read it. And you're like, oh, I need it's to. The it's, it's first world problems, but it's the worst. <laughs> Nobody knows our pain. I know. Gosh. <laughs> it's our sacrifice. We can't read the sequels, guys. But yeah. And that's what I liked about it as well. It's a typical Northern family. It's a, Charlie's family is a typical working class northern family where you'd expect the dad to be all bolshy and like quote-unquote laddish and reject charlie for his sexuality and it's like no son i love you and it's like it gave it's it's so it's, it's just it was nice because you know being northern it's like yeah that that's that is true it is highly it's highly accurate so i absolutely love it i'm very invested and i freaking love um the twins those girls no, are they're so, so sassy i love them <laughs> i think little devious misses they really are why don't you go slash his tires <laughs> oh shit that's another short story i need their misadventures <laughs> i would love i would love to write there's so there's so much i want to do in this world like so much i can play with because it's yeah it's just a vast world full of many many people and many many little story ideas and i would love to do collections of short stories and novellas and kind of i want to do novella spin-off of villiers and james's adventures yes oh, oh my please. god yeah please. Please. It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't necessarily be technically YA because they are adult ghosts like they are adult men um but they're dead um so there's the, hijinks it's fine but this, yeah but like it would be the same world um so I don't know, maybe I'll get a chance to write. It feels like fan fiction of phone books, but yeah, I'd like to write those. And <gasps> as you'll find at the end of you had an anthology of fan fiction where people just wrote about the ghosts in your story and the misadventures that they got up to before meeting Charlie. Well, it's like, so 16 Souls and 12 Bones as a duology deals with, like, they deal with big stuff. Like yeah. potential, potential city-flattening, world-ending, life-changing, huge stuff. And I loved it. And it's so exciting to write and it's pacey and it's this mystery and it's like thick with adventure. But also I just want to write scenes of them sitting around having an existential crisis and eating chips. You know, yeah. like I just want to write the small domestic moments. All the teenage where... stuff. Yeah, all the teenage stuff and all the kind of, actually when you're dealing with ghosts and lost souls, there's just a lot of like emotional helping people move on, helping people connect stuff, which isn't, which is, more local it's not really to do with big big magic it's just a local thing and i would love the chance to write some short stories on novellas where the boys are just helping local ghosts you know they're just yeah. kind of dealing with smaller scale stuff on the stage that i've created please so, do that you don't know like maybe maybe i'll get a chance to do that please i mean do it's it. all your fault for creating such a you know in yeah. book one how dare a vast you world full of characters that were desperate to know and i'm gonna just say we're gonna sound total fangirls here but we need more and we have to have more so you're gonna have to get on to that because yeah. we absolutely adored this book it was just so much it was yeah. just so much fun and it's highly unexpected and the barista at starbucks yesterday when i had hold of it she was like what is it tell me more and i had to <laughs> you know i don't like not giving spoilery book reviews it's hard it's hard but yeah honestly you know so you, you're gonna have another reader in her i've oh, got to check in with her next you. week when she's got it because um, <laughs> i don't loan my copies out unless it's to my mum and that's because i know where she lives uh and don't worry mum you're getting it 
Um, I promised my mum she could read as soon as we've finished recording. <laughs> um, so it's just, yeah, you, it's your own fault for for creating such fantastic characters. So you get yeah, have how to dare you? Do, well, do very more. rude of me, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So rude. We need more. I do love them. Good. They live in my brain, so it's very noisy up here. But I I love them all dearly. Well, tell them we said hi. Yes. What was do. it like though, actually seeing? Sixteen Souls on the bookshelf in the bookstore you work at. Like it was just the most surreal moment. Honestly, completely surreal. Because the I had such a weird journey to publication. I decided so I I wrote the book and I did a few queries, but it kind of was the beginning of COVID, which was the worst time to try and query because everybody and their grandmother was submitting a book and fifty percent or more of the agents were on furlough. So nobody was really picking up manuscripts at the time it was really hard you know talk about the worst time to get seen so because of that i decided well i'm just gonna i'm gonna self-publish i'm not even gonna try and submit to any more agents i'm just gonna take this into my own hands and i'm gonna self-publish but if i'm gonna do that i want to do it to the highest quality that i can and i want to try and get it into some waterstones because i'm a bookseller there so i have some connections i know how to do the paperwork to create the supply chains to make it happen. If it's financially viable, I want to do that. So I went through the whole journey and the whole process of like hiring a wonderful cover designer, Andrew Davis, who's amazing. Um, Leonie Locke was my editor. She's incredible. You know, I just did everything a publishing house would do. And then six weeks out from sort of publishing, Scholastic offered me a two book deal for 16 Souls and a sequel, which I ended up going for because you know, having been that publishing house for a year, I had no chance to write because I was too busy doing all the other stuff and I really was gagging to write. And the idea of I could suddenly have a team of incredible professionals who know exactly what they're doing was like, yes, please, that'd be lovely. So I was very prepared to see my book out in the world. I'd literally been plotting it and planning it and I knew it was guaranteed because I was going to do it myself. But to see it with the Waterstone Sprayed Edge as an exclusive edition, to like go to the factory and sign thousands of copies to like have it featured like not just have one copy on the shelf of waterstones have like a table you know just the level that waterstones that has backed me is incredible like out of this world i never imagined that that would happen and it means the world it means so much excellent excellent i'm so so glad that you've had that support as well from from your employers i mean they are booksellers but they don't necessarily have to do that no, they don't. Like so... they, they don't have to do anything, and mm. they're they're so incredibly supportive, and they're they're very proud of, of the, my me and my books, and I'm proud to work with them. It's I'm just I have a great time at work. It's yes. it's wonderful. Yeah. Everybody needs to check out your Instagram actually, because it's so fun when you post the reels from the stock room about oh, the yeah. customers. <laughs> well, what do I do on my lunch time? I film in the stock room. <laughs> Do you have a haunted water stones, by the way? Because apparently Swansea is haunted, according to Kat Ellis. I've never experienced any ghostly phenomenon in our store, but we the store has been in that location for, oh, like 15, 20 years or something. And our manager, she's been with the company since before it was even water stones. She's been there a long time. She knows the building very, very well. She's also quite superstitious. And one, so we have annual stock takes where we have to count and scan every single book in the entire shop and it takes all night and a whole team comes in to do it and like they have pizza they get it done it you know i rarely have to do it 
I'm not an old seasoned person, so I get to go home. But um, Cardi, I think it was a number of years ago and the stock take had taken that a little bit longer and she lives quite far away. So she looked at her clock and realized that if she went home now, she would basically get home, sleep for maybe half an hour and have to get up and come back in to open the shop the next day. So she decided that she would try and like, we have a sofa upstairs. She was like, oh, I can just nap on the sofa and, you know, keep going. So she, uh, the sofa at the time was near the horror section. So she oh. said she knew when it was dark and she, um, she's already quite superstitious and quite nervous. And she lay down on the couch. She was like, okay, it's okay. You can, you can do it. You can go to sleep. And then a book fell off the horror shelf. A book about <laughs> ghosts, like just fell off the horror shelf. Nothing touched it. Like, and she went, absolutely not. And she went home. She drove <laughs> all the way home. She didn't risk spending the night. She went all the way home and came back in the morning. <laughs> Letter. And the book Amazing. was still on the floor because she isn't touching it. Yeah, so I mean, so she didn't see anything, but she also was like, why would that book fall? It, there was no reason why that book would fall. It was like very random. So she swears that the shop is haunted, but I have never experienced anything myself. I'm very kind of not jaded about ghosts, but I sort of feel like if I saw a ghost, I'd be like, oh, hi. I don't know. I don't know if I'd be actively scared. I think I'm just very practical and feel like as I am corporeal, I, I'm tougher. I beat them. I have like a one up on them. So yeah. I feel like I'm using the poltergeist on me. I'm like, come and get me. Did you just come out of a bottle? No. Come at me. He's like, come, come on, give it your best shot. You're going to go right through. <laughs> ah, you're incorporeal. It's <laughs> amazing. I can imagine Ollie being a bit like that. Like... Oh, he absolutely would be. But like fisticuffs. Come on. <laughs> I love that <sighs> he introduced himself as a sickly waif, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Holy sickly waif. Holly, sickly waif. <laughs> Don't worry, it's not contagious. Oh, is Dante based off a real pet, by the way? Dante was the name of my cousin's dog, and he was a collie. Oh. And so it just, when I was like, oh, I'd love to like have a ghost dog, that was. Dante just popped into my head and I was like oh I'll pop him in and I'll change him later or something and then he just never changed he just was Dante <laughs> Dante um, scratches he's 100% 15 out of 10 good doggo yes, he is such definitely a good dog. we love him he's, and he's and he features in 12 bones as well of course good he's such a good and um, we talk about this in the main episode and I did ask Amanda her thoughts but bowler hat in with the nun is it Jack the Ripper? <laughs> and it's not specifically, but not not. It's kind of, I wanted to create a character that was based off of that kind of idea of Jack the Ripper without, you know, Jack the Ripper is, an, is a London thing, not a York thing. So I didn't want, he isn't specifically supposed to be, but he's supposed to be reminiscent of cool. Jack the Ripper. Like okay. he's supposed to feel like Jack the Ripper and feel like that scary and that vicious. Yeah. Okay. We got our answer, Amanda. Good. Yeah. Nice. Good. <laughs> oh. Well, is um is there anything else that you are excited about that you can tell us? It doesn't have to be book related, but anything else going on? Because it's we've kept you longer than uh, uh we said that we would. Sorry. That's what's exciting. Oh, oh, I'm making a new outfit and it's bright red. 
Ooh. I know it's going to be like a whole I mean I say Christmas outfit but at the rate I'm sewing it won't be ready for Christmas but I just I need new clothes desperately and because I hand sew my own clothes and they're all Victorian period clothing it takes a while to make stuff and I barely made anything this year because this year I wrote a whole novel I wrote 12 bones and I've just written a graphic novel called Phantom Hearts which will be available it's available for pre-order now if anybody wants to pre-order it you can but yeah. it's coming out September um next year and that is a it does feature ghosts but it's a whole different world and it's much more like a contemporary setting that happens to have ghosts rather than being in a ghost adventure story in the way that 16 souls and 12 bones is and it's about a girl whose father is a bus driver and when the school bus he's driving crashes and kills four students she starts seeing the ghosts of the dead students and teams up with them to uncover the reason behind the crash because it looks like somebody sabotaged it in order to hide a dangerous secret. Oh, so, yeah, we need like that. Mystery, contemporary. It's all about like mental health and falling in love for the first time. And yeah, like unpicking secrets. It's amazing. So because, because I've written that this year as well, I have no clothes. So I'm going to be sewing my red dress. <laughs> and then I'm just going to wear it's bright red. It was supposed to be a more subtle, deep, sort of blood, chevy red. Um, it is postbox red. It is just red. So yeah, I'm not being subtle. Oh, I want to say living your best Mrs. Claus life, but I mean, yeah, I could put a little bit of a white fluff around the wrists and the collar for Christmas, I'm sure. But Holly, just, just them make them like detachable. Oh, that's cute. Could you, so make you have like a like a ones? yeah? You could have like a convertible dress, little Christmas dress. That's mm -hmm. cute. I like that. Mm -hmm. And then you could have hearts for Valentine's Day. Oh, just, just swap it out. Swap it out for all the different holidays. Mm -hmm. All of the red themed holidays. Of which, I mean, I think almost all holidays can be made to be red, can they? At least with it in the kind of British calendar, British mm. Christian calendar. So Easter, maybe that's the hardest one, but, but Halloween you can wear red. Yes. And then what other holidays do we have? Christmas. We don't have that many. We don't have that many. Christmas and Halloween. Go. Halloween. Like hawks is that? I mean, that's really dark. But I think red <laughs> would be the color of choice. Yeah, at least you stand out in the dark. Yeah, when people when people who don't know what Guy Fawkes might ask for an explanation, I just feel like apologizing for the British sensibility of being like, yeah, we still burn this guy's effigy and celebrate his death hundreds of years later, like the weird, sick people that we are. That that was King James's fault. I've watched horrible histories. They did a Guy Fawkes special, and that was King James's fault. He wanted to celebrate the fact that he survived the plot, and it's on the wrong day. It should be November fourth. I mean, I like that it's on the wrong day, but we've already established that I like it when things get separated from their truth and <laughs> just sort of float off. I mean, to be um, fair, it was King James he who wrote the the Witchfinder book, so you know it's... it was. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm currently reading the King's Assassin, which is a non-fiction book about the relationship between George Villiers and James the First. Oh. Because I, in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, if I am going to write these spin-off stories, I need to know George Villiers in a lot more detail and his past in a lot more detail. And though I did do quite a bit of research for him, he is a side character, so I'm like, if he's going to be a main character, I need to know everything. And the King's Assassin details the idea that Villiers actually poisoned King James, which floated around at the time, but it was very quickly dropped. But this um, author, I'm afraid I can't remember their name, argues that they think it could possibly be true, Ooh. that he did poison the king, which makes no sense because the king is literally his meal ticket. But 
I don't know, psychology. So I'm like, I'm invested. It's really, it's a really good nonfiction read. I'm having Ooh. the best time, but I'm learning a lot about James the first as well. And that man had a, not, a lot of neuroses. Um, he, yeah, he was very, had a lot of PTSD, very scary childhood. So Doesn't I think it's surprising considering, you know, the period of time and right. you know, yeah, the, well, he the was family. Like crowned, he was crowned in his cradle. He was known as the cradle king. So he was literally king before he was even out of his cradle. And then he was, there was kidnappings and assassination plots and his entire childhood was being like shunted around by different nobles, very unstable, very traumatic. So an assassination plot, he saw assassins everywhere. He was very afraid. Um, he didn't like blades. He didn't like weapons. He found them quite like terrifying. Um, so yeah, I think an assassination plot like that, I think he would want to celebrate that he survived. That'd be actually really important to him. So it makes a lot of sense with his psychology. Yeah. But that's why, and we still have it today. We still have Guy Fawkes, right? Yeah. Scare all pets every fifth of November. Oh, that's that's in July for us. We terrify yeah. the cats and dogs and horses yeah. and pigs and chickens. Yeah. And dogs. Yes. And maybe it. even a goat. Maybe even a maybe. goat. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Oh, Where fantastic. can people find you? Um, do you have a newsletter? Do you have a website? Because people need to know to keep in touch and find out about all the pre-orders and niceness that comes out. Yeah, so I have a website. It's just my name, rosietalbert.co.uk. And on there, you can join my newsletter. And I am going to do a newsletter for November. Um, I've been a bit rubbish about my newsletter recently, but I'm doing one. You need clothes, Rosie. You, you I know I can I do need clothes. And um, I also have lots of free resources on there, like character artwork and maps and things, um, and book club resources if you happen to read 16 Souls for a book club. And I also am on social media as Mero Child, which is not a helpful username at all, but I'm stuck with it now. <laughs> um, and I'm on Instagram and TikTok the most, but I do occasionally pop up on Twitter slash X. Like, I will eventually check my messages, but DM me on the other platforms first. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's I've cool. been I've I've been messaging you on TikTok. That's how we've that's how we've connected both times, dragging <laughs> you on the show. Like, hey, it I is hope... a pleasure to be on the show. Yay! Thanks for having me. Well, you've got to come back for Twelve Bones and uh, Phantom Hearts. So yeah, definitely, one hundred percent. So yeah. you're stuck That'll with us now. That'll be next year, though. You've got a little bit more time than about five minutes naughty. So you that yeah. be next year. Next year. Well, I'm really excited for you to read 12 Bones and please feel free to yell at me if required. It's a very emotional and it's a ride. It's a roller coaster. Okay, we'll You'll get be ready fine, for it. Does like, Charlie get his GCSEs? That's what I need to know. If you need to message me, you can. Oh my God. We will. A lot of people are messaging me and be like, I'm on this chapter, I'm stressed. Can you tell me it's going to be okay? And I'm like, no, I can't. Um, But carry on. I only need to know if Chrissy A dies and B haunts it's a sub question and does he pass his GCSEs and it, it, I'm, I'm I'm genuinely stressed that Charlie needed to do his GCSE resets um so these are not exactly spoilers um they're not spoilers but neither of those questions are directly answered in the next book Gah. you are gonna have to hold on to your panic about those <laughs> 
Hold on for the short stories that she's inevitably going to have to write. I just there'd be like a two-page short story, and all it is is Charlie going to get his GCSE results. That's all I need. It could be a one-pager. I'll do that for you. I'll write that. Thank you. (laughs) I'm I I, as an academic, I am genuinely stressed for it. Do you know what I? Because I'm a really academic person as well, and it was really weird to write a character who. I mean, he is stressed about his exams. But I mean, they're the least of his worries, frankly. Like he has so much else going on. Whereas for me, when I was doing my GCSEs, there was literally nothing more important. Like oh, that yeah. was it. I've always needed to do well at school, and like that was a, a huge focus. So it's actually quite refreshing to write a character who, yeah, I mean, he's worried about it a bit, but he's more worried about his parents' reaction if he does badly than his actual future because he kind of figures he doesn't have one. Yeah. So he's still kind of getting, and in Twelve Bones, he's very much kind of getting used to the idea of like, okay, hold on, what do I do with this future? What do I do with what I can do and so that is you know he he's thinking about that that's part of his character honestly like I remember doing my GCSEs all those many many moons ago I was ritualistic my dining room was my study hall I listened I, I had to have background noise I literally had a VHS copy of Broken Arrow Broken Arrow the Christian Slater John Travolta epic movie and watched it on repeat and it's not a great movie but the only reason i watched it on repeat was because i knew it so well it just blurred in the background and i ate beetroot pickled onion chia butter bread and lucas aid all that thought that was my diet that was, all that was your life. because i was i think i must have just thought if i change this routine in any way i'm going to fail and i left with 13 gcse's all grade c and above thank you very much so well done. I thank you. I had to I had to keep it ritualistic because my, my brain otherwise couldn't compute. So Charlie going off and saving the world and having to do the stress of his GCSEs honestly had me on edge and is it, well, one of my favourite bits is when it's like towards the end and he's essentially being kidnapped and he just has this ridiculous thought he's like, I've got an exam in the morning. I, I was worried for him. I thought he couldn't turn up to exam. I hope it's a multiple choice geography exam because you're going to be. Yeah, tired. I know. And it, and it's like, and he's kind of like, yeah, I'm not making that, am I? I'm not going to get to that exam, no matter how this turns out. I'm not getting to that exam, and I think, yeah, that was weird. That was stressful for me writing it. I was um, kind of glad he got hospitalised because at least then, you know, he had a legitimate yeah, doctor's he had a legitimate note. reason to be like, why failed <laughs> geography, even though it was more geography. Gas explosion. I have a doctor's note explosion i have a doctor's note yeah so yeah i mean that was but i mean i was just trying to like balance what a teenager would actually be worried about as well and he would he'd be worried about his gcse's because they're so built up it is so built up when you're doing your gcse's and little do you know it's only the first of many exams in your life if you go down the academic route at least when you get further on in the academic circles you can avoid the courses that say exam and just go for the ones that say assignment or presentation. Unfortunately, I went to Oxford and they don't do very many assignments. It's mostly exam. Even in humanities. So you do have to do a dissertation and you might be able to wrangle a course or two that has like some like uh, assignments instead of exams. But um, yeah, I had to mostly do exams. Yeah. I don't know why I did that to myself. I don't understand. I did English, but I uh, literature and American studies, and I don't understand how you can do an exam on a book. Like, still. Yeah, like, I did. Yeah, I did do Gobbit exams, which is more like history style. 
which I loved. I've loved the gobbets. It's great. It's like little bite-sized chunks. You get a source image or a source text and you have to write something about it. I'm like, this is amazing. I had great fun. And then, yeah, essay question exams to get through, do three, three essays in two hours or something. No, 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 dog. No, disgusting. Right, okay. How could women stressed about that? It's okay. I will answer. Now I know what answers you need. I can write you some short stories to tidy up the loose ends because there will still be loose ends. It's a very big world, but I try and answer as many questions as I can. Thank you. <laughs> I just see the FAQs on your website. Does Charlie pass his GCSEs? Well, so. <laughs> some of them. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you and... for having me. Thank, thank you, you in the future craziness yes and thank you in the future for coming back and joining <laughs> us again because we know it's going to happen of course i will always come back okay good because you're part of the fictional hangover family now whether you like it or not oh. yay so that's it for this bonus episode of fictional hangover i'm amanda and i'm claire join us next time as we discuss anna dressed in blood by and with Kendara Blake. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover themed merchandise. And become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com. Follow us on Instagram, threads, TikTok and YouTube at fictionalhangover. And find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover. If you like this episode, check out our others and be sure to rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.